0: Welcome to the Sports Town Podcast, or the STP Pod for short. No politics, no drama, no arguing. Just two guys talking sports. I'm your host, JJ Peters, and my co-host is Michael Menser. Michael is not here today, but he is the host of the YouTube gaming channel, Angry Turtles. Go check him out on YouTube and subscribe, like, and leave a comment. We've got a plethora of topics to get into today on today's pod. It includes Week 9 NFI highlights, college football update. Chase Elliott wins the NASCAR Cup, Masters Preview, and much more. Also in sad news, Tom Heinsohn of the Boston Celtics has passed away at the age of 86. He was an eight-time NBA champion, six-time All-Star, former Rookie of the Year, and a former Coach of the Year. He played with the Celtics all nine years of his career, and after three years of retirement, he coached the team for nine seasons. He also won two NBA titles as a coach and won Coach of the Year in 1973. After coaching, he became a color commentator with the Celtics until 2019. So we would like to give our condolences to the Hyinson family, the Boston Celtics organization, and any fan that watched Tom Hyinson as a player and coach. Before we dive into some more awesome sports topics, I'd like to tell you about Anchor. If you haven't heard anything about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Can't go wrong with that. And guess what? There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. That's not all, though. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It keeps on getting better, though. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, let's get back to the show. Here's a quick NFL update. Some bad news for Pittsburgh Steelers fans as quarterback Ben Roethlisberger and three other players on the roster have been placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. It doesn't mean they tested positive. It just means they likely were around someone who contacted the infectious virus. They all have to be quarantined five days and will have to test negative if they want to play in this week's Sunday's game. A similar situation happened between Detroit Lions quarterback Matt Stafford and defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs Chris Jones. The good news is they both played and were both negative for Sunday's game. The first topic we are going to dive in today is reactions to the 2020 AL and NL Rookie of the Year. For the next few days, all the awards to the MLB will be announced that include the MVP, Manager of the Year, and the Silver Slugger Awards. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the AL and NL Jackie Robinson Rookie of the Year. Kyle Lewis and Devin Williams were announced as the winners. Kyle Lewis, second baseman for the Mariners, was unanimously selected as the AL Rookie of the Year. Lewis' stats for 2020 were a 262 batting average, 11 homers, 54 hits, and a 1.4 war. Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers was announced as the NL Rookie of the Year, despite being a reliever. Williams was the first pitcher in baseball history to be named the Jackie Robinson Rookie of the Year, despite not having a start. His stats were 0.33 ERA and a 1.2 war. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about Kyle Lewis of the Seattle Mariners. Congratulations to the organization and all the fans. I think Kyle Lewis will be very good for the, for the next few years to come. Um, he was very good this year. I'll just say that. He was the best rookie I had predicted him to win, so I wasn't surprised. Um, the MLB also did a basically selected all the all-stars if there was an all-star game this year. And Kyle Lewis would have been the starting second baseman for the Seattle Mariners, according to to the MLB. So I think he's very good. I think he is already considered one of the top second basemen in all of baseball. So I think the future is very bright for Kyle Lewis and the Mariners. He clearly is their best player. And he was also the first Mariner to be selected as the AL rookie of the year since Ichiro did it back in 2001. And we flip over to the NL where Devin Williams was selected. I'm a little shocked. I didn't think relievers could win the award, but I mean, I thought they could, but it's very odd. Um, but Devin Williams beats out uh, Jake Cronworth of the Padres. Um, but I'm a little shocked. Um, uh, his stats were really good this year. So I think that was kind of one of the reasons uh, he was a former second round pick and he's had a few injuries. So to be able to win a prestigious award like that is great. Uh, the Brewers did make the playoffs. Uh, he was a huge, huge help to the organization. And help them lead to the playoffs because they're really uh, because their bullpen was solid this year. Devin Williams, a great player for the Brewers. Again, just like Kyle Lewis, the future is very bright. And I believe the Brewers will be even better next season. But we'll see. So let's get to our next topic. Chase Elliott of the number nine car wins his first NASCAR Cup. Elliott now becomes the third youngest driver in NASCAR history to win a cup. Only Bill Rexford and former teammate Jeff Gordon were younger when winning a championship. His father, Billy Elliott, won a cup back in 1988. With the win, Bill and Chase Elliott are the third father and son duo to capture a NASCAR cup. Elliott won his sixth race this season and now has 11 wins in his career. Chase Elliott will now be the face of NASCAR and Hendrick Motorsports with former teammate Jimmy Johnson retired. Johnson had raced his last race on Sunday and will now switch to part-time in IndyCar with Chip Ganassi Racing. The rest of the top five are Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin, and Jimmy Johnson. Well, I think it's safe to say Chase Elliott is now the face of NASCAR. With Jimmy Johnson racing his last race last Sunday at Phoenix, it opens the door for Chase Elliott to become the future of NASCAR. Chase Elliott of the number nine Chevrolet was Jimmy Johnson's teammate. Hendrick Motorsports is in very good hands following Jimmy Johnson's retirement from NASCAR and stock car racing. I could see Elliott winning a few more cups and being the face of stock car racing for a very, very long time. He's pretty much a NASCAR royalty even before he started racing. With his dad being a former cup winner as well, it it just makes sense for Chase Elliott to continue having success in NASCAR. Can Chase Elliott do it again? Well, there's a very good chance he can do it a few more times. As I previously mentioned, I think Chase Elliott will win a few more cups in the future. Elliott is only 24 and has many years ahead of him. He's with a very good team in Hedrick Motorsport, so they will continue to help him have the best chances to compete for a win every single week. So I could definitely see Chase Elliott winning a second straight cup or making it to the championship four at least next year. Okay, so the next last question is, who is the best shot to compete with Chase Elliott next season? Well, of course, I think Kevin Harvick will compete again next year. Denny Hamlin is always good, but seemingly always falls short. Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, and maybe his teammate Alex Bowman are all drivers that could probably compete with him. But we're in the offseason, and there are still many things needed to iron out for next season. Can Danny Emlin have a good year with his new racing team? Does Kevin Harvick bounce back from a tough playoff disappointment? And who is the next racing fun phenom like Chase Elliott was? It'll be very interesting offseason, to say the least. A tradition like none other returns this week at Augusta Nationals. The Masters, the greatest golf tournament in the world, is happening this week. The Masters is usually played in April, but because of the pandemic, they had to move it to November. Unfortunately, Augusta National is not allowing fans at this year's Masters. It will be the first time there will be no spectators at the Masters in the 84-year existence of the greatest golf tournament in the world. Last year's winner, Tiger Woods, will hope to get a 16th major this weekend and be closer to Jack. Bryson DeChambeau, the reigning U.S. Open champ, will hope to get a second major. DeChambeau has been working on a new golf swing the last few months. Some other players to watch will be Rory McIlroy, trying to get his first Masters and complete the Grand Slam. Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, and Jordan Spieth. Well, my thoughts are I'm super excited for the Masters. As our poll question indicated today, I'm very excited to watch it, and I can't wait. Um, I expect, to be honest, I expect it to be a very high-scoring affair because of no fans, and there won't be as much pressure. But I definitely think, and plus, when you got guys like Bryson DeChambeau coming back, Tiger Woods, I think will be on his A-game. It's going to be very high scoring, and I do believe Rory McIlroy will have a nice tournament. I just don't know if he can complete the Grand Slam, and I think Jordan Spieth will be able to get on track, at least at the Masters this weekend. Uh, predictions for the Masters. Well, it's very early to say, but I feel like a very young golfer is going to win it. The last few uh, last few majors that include the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open, they were guys under 30 that included Colin Morikawa and Bryson DeChambeau. I think there's a chance Bryson DeChambeau can win it, but I feel like there's going to be a very young golfer that not many people know about. But if I had to predict someone, this is this is very hard to predict. But I guess I would have to go with Bryson DeChambeau. I don't think I think Tiger will have a solid tournament. I just don't think he'll even be in the running in top ten. I would like guys like Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth and even Tony Finau to get back on track. It seems like Tony Finau is always in the top ten, but he just can't win. But I'm hoping those three guys win it kind of, you know, I'm trying not to be biased, but I- I'm going to definitely cheer for those guys. But right now, if I had to pick, I'd probably take the safe safe bet and take Bryson DeChambeau. Um, who is the advantage in the 2020 Masters? Well, of course, I've been saying his name a lot, but I think it's going to be Bryson DeChambeau. With his new golf swing, he's only averaging about only really uh, 350 yards, which is just incredible because most people can only average about 200 and on the tour, maybe 300 yards is the average. So it'd be interesting to see if DeChambeau can hit a 400-yard drive. I would not be surprised. I think he's done it before as well. But I think he has the biggest advantage. Of course, Tiger is going to be rearing to go. I think Rory McIlroy is tired of not having a great season. He wants to get that grand slam. And, of course, I got a strong feeling about Jordan Spieth. I think he's going to have a nice tournament. He's tired of being not great. He hasn't been good. I mean, he was decent the first few months when golf came back. But since then, he's really struggled. But right now, the advantage – is Bryson DeChambeau. College football was crazy this week. That includes a fourth-ranked Notre Dame upsetting the number one-ranked Clemson in double overtime. Michigan loses again, this time to Indiana, and both USC and Texas escape from getting upset over the weekend. Alabama is now number one, and Cincinnati wins big, but somehow goes down in the rankings. I will give you my thoughts on the crazy college football weekend. Well, I didn't think Notre Dame could do it, but they do. Even without star quarterback Trevor Lawrence, Notre Dame was able to win in double overtime. And for the first time this season that I've seen, the Notre Dame student section stormed the field. Kind of a nice, uh, uh, kind of a nice uh, sense of uh, normalcy, in my opinion. But. Kudos to them. Uh Notre Dame looked very good. Uh Ian Book, even though he had that fumble in the end zone, he looks solid. I think with that win, he deserves to be in the Heisman conversation. I know he won't win it, but I think he definitely deserves to be in it. Uh Cincinnati, or not Cincinnati, Clemson is in very good hands with their backup quarterback in DJ e- Ungalele. I'm sorry, I kind of killed that name, but They are in very good hands. He's a five-star quarterback. He's also from Hawaii. There's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out of Hawaii recently, as we all know, Tua Valoa, Mackenzie Milton from USCF, now the quarterback at Clemson. But I think they'll definitely be in good hands for the next few years after Trevor Lawrence leaves for the NFL. And um, Notre Dame right now is ranked number two and has a chance to compete in the college football playoff. Uh, Would Clemson have won if Trevor Lawrence played? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, They would have won by at least one touchdown. Trevor Lawrence is one of the best players in college football. Uh, He's definitely the most polarizing. Um, But right now, um, I think Clemson would have won if Trevor Lawrence played. Uh, Reaction reaction to the top 25 ranking. Not surprised Alabama's number one. Uh, Notre Dame goes to number two. Clemson drops down to four. Uh, My one problem with this is Cincinnati going down to number eight. After winning, they dropped down somehow. I know they're in the American Athletic Conference, which was not quite known as well as like the Big Ten, SEC, ACC, Big 12. But I definitely think they deserve to be at least in the top five or at least number six. But I'm a little disappointed in the rankings that they put Cincinnati in. Uh, Who is the best team in college football right now? In my opinion, it's Alabama. I think if Clemson has Trevor Lawrence, they're the best team, but they don't. And they ended up losing to Notre Dame. So right now, I think Alabama's the best player, best team in college football. Definitely don't sleep, though, on Ohio State, who also is 3-0 this season. Um, And then last but not least, Alabama versus LSU game this week has been postponed. uh, Because of some positive tests from both LSU and Alabama, they will not be able to play. The game has not been rescheduled yet because the championship game is on December 19th, and Alabama still has a chance to compete for the championship game. And LSU had to postpone their game with Florida or had to reschedule their game with Florida a few weeks ago to December 12th. So there's they're not sure when the Alabama versus LSU game will be played. There is a chance that it won't be played this season. Let's get you caught up on all the action that happened in week nine in the National Football League. We'll give you the highlights of the biggest games in week nine. First stop, Indianapolis, where the Indianapolis Colts hosted the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore was coming off a tough loss to their rival Pittsburgh, and the Colts were looking to show people they were legitimate contenders. Indianapolis offense struggled all year, but it's been their defense that has made them 5-2. and two. Phillip Rivers has not been great and has thrown a lot of interceptions this season. Baltimore is 5-2, and two, but has lost two big games, and people are starting to doubt the reigning NFL MVP Lamar Jackson can win a big game, which is not true because Lamar has won a lot of big games. He just hasn't won any playoff games. The game started out with the Colts in control. Indy would score in their second possession thanks to a one-yard rush by rookie running back Jonathan Taylor. The Colts' defense would get back-to-back stops on the Ravens' offense. However, Baltimore's first touchdown of the game would be a fumble recovery that ended in a touchdown by safety Chuck Clark. The Colts would be able to get a field goal to make it a 10-7 lead at the break. The Ravens' offense struggled and would punt five times in the first half. However, the offense looked totally different in the second half. Despite Baltimore turning the ball over on their first possession in the third quarter, they would score two touchdowns and a field goal and would only punt one time in the second half. Lamar Jackson had a perfect completion rating in the second half and would rush for one touchdown in the game. The Colts would only be able to get a field goal in the second half and would end up losing to the Ravens 24-10. Lamar Jackson now ties Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Marino with the best record in his first 30 NFL starts. Jackson is now 25-5 in his career as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Jackson would finish the game 19 of 23 for 170 yards, one rushing touchdown. He also led the team in rushing with 58 yards. Tight end Nick Boyle had four receptions for 46 yards. Philip Rivers was 25 of 43 for 227 yards and threw one interception. Jordan Wilkins led the Colts in rushing with 39 yards. And Michael Pittman had 56 receiving yards. Panthers versus Chiefs. The reigning Super Bowl champs were looking to get their eighth win in 2020 and remain the second best team in the AFC. The Panthers were trying to end their three-game losing streak and get Matt Rule's biggest win in his young NFL coaching career. But the game was much closer than most people anticipated. The Panthers would score in their first possession and take an early lead on the Super Bowl champs. Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers was back and looking better than ever. Carolina would continue to score and take a 14-6 lead on the Chiefs. The Chiefs would slim the Panthers' lead to one thanks to a Patrick Mahomes touchdown pass to Demarcus Robinson. The Panthers were going to break with a 17-13 lead over the Chiefs. Kansas City would take their first lead of the game thanks to a five-yard drive that ended on a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire receiving touchdown to make it a 20-17 lead. The Chiefs scored again and have their biggest lead of the game, 26-17. Carolina would continue to fight and trim the Chiefs' lead down to two, but it wasn't good enough and would lose to the Super Bowl champs 33-31. The Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Melms, would throw for 372 yards and four touchdown passes. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would rush for 14 yards on five attempts, and Travis Kelsey had 10 receptions for 159 yards. Teddy Bridgewater would finish the game 36-49 of 49 for 310 yards, two touchdown passes. He also had a rushing touchdown. Christian McCaffrey had 18 carries for 69 yards, and Curtis Samuel had nine receptions for 105 yards and a receiving touchdown. Bills versus Seahawks. The 6-2 Bills were trying to prove the doubters they were a great football team. On the other hand, the Seahawks had one of the best offenses in the league, led by MVP candidate Russell Wilson and -and up-and-coming wide receiver DK Metcalf. Seattle was 6-1 and was trying to remain the best team in the NFC, but the game quickly got out of control for Seattle. Buffalo would start the game leading 17-0. The Bills would take a 24-10 lead going into the half. The Seahawks would turn them all over three times in the second half and would continue to get blown out by the AFC East leading Bills. The Bills... Led the Seahawks 44-27 at one point and held on to beat Seattle by 10 points, 44-34. Josh Allen was 31 of 38 for 415 yards and three touchdown passes. Zach Moss had nine carries for 18 yards and one rushing touchdown. Stephon Diggs had nine receptions for 118 yards. Russell Wilson threw for 309 yards, 390 yards, excuse me, and two touchdown passes, but did have two interceptions. DJ Dallas had seven carries for 31 yards, and DK Metcalf had 118 yards receiving and a touchdown. The big story of the day was the the Seahawks turned the ball over four times. Seattle would finish the game with four turnovers. Bears versus Titans. The struggling Bears traveled to Tennessee to take on the underrated Titans. The Bears' offense would continue to falter and would score no points in the first half. The Titans would jump out to a 10-0 lead at the end of the break. The Bears' offense similarly got worse in the second half as they fumbled That was recovered by the Titans that would end in a touchdown to make it a 17-0 lead. The next possession, Chicago would score three points thanks to a drive led by Nick Foles. The score was 17-3, Titans. The next Titans drive ended in a touchdown pass from Ryan Tannehill to to Jono Smith. The Titans had a 24-3 lead going into the fourth quarter. The Bears would get get two touchdowns late to make it a 24-17, but it was too little too late. The Titans would hold on to win 24-17. Ryan Tannehill finished the game 10-21 of for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry had 68 yards, and A.J. Brown had 101 yards receiving on four receptions. Nick Foles threw 52 times for 335 yards and two touchdowns. David Montgomery had 30 yards on 14 carries, and Allen Robinson, seven catches for 81 yards. Dolphins versus Cardinals. Two rising quarterbacks squared off in the desert. Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals hosted Tua Valoa and the Miami Dolphins. Speaking of up-and-coming, both the Cardinals and Dolphins are very young teams, but will be good for years to come. Valoa was just starting his second career in the NFL. Miami would punt on their first possession, but would force a Cardinals football that would result in a touchdown to make the Dolphins lead 7-0. The Cardinals would score thanks to a Kyler Murray touchdown pass. Both teams would continue to trade touchdowns in the first half. The Dolphins would get a field goal in the late in the first half to give Miami a 7-point lead 24-17 at the half. Arizona without would would score in the second half, but it wasn't good enough. Dolphins would get a field goal on their last possession to make it a 34-31 lead. The Cardinals would get into Dolphins territory, but Zane Gonzalez would miss the game-tying field goal, which was 49 yards. Miami would hold on to beat Arizona 34-31. Taka Valoa threw two touchdown passes, 248 yards, and Devontae Parker had 48 yards on six receptions. Kyler Murray threw for 283 yards, three touchdowns. He also led the team in rushing with 106 yards, and Christian Kirk had five catches for 123 yards and one touchdown. Seahawks versus Cowboys. The Pittsburgh Steelers were hoping to continue their undefeated season with the win over the struggling Dallas Cowboys. However, the game was more nerve-wracking for many Steelers fans. Dallas Cowboys are having one of the worst seasons in a very, very long time. Dallas is 2-6 and six and have their starting quarterback out for the season. Garrett Gilbert guy's first NFL start replacing Ben DiNucci. The Cowboys jumped out to a 13-0 lead on the Steelers. Pittsburgh would get three field goals at the end of the half to make it a 13-9 lead for Dallas. Dallas would not give up as they would take a 19-9 lead late in the third quarter. The Steelers would score their first touchdown on a 31-yard pass from Ben Roethlisberger to Juju Smith-Schuster. The Steelers would take advantage of the Cowboys' turnover that led to a field goal to make it a 19-18 lead for the Cowboys. The Steelers would go a, would get a go-ahead touchdown thanks to Ben Roethlisberger's pass to Eric Ebron. Although, Pittsburgh would miss the two-point conversion and only have a five-point lead. The Steelers' defense would force a turnover and downs, but Pittsburgh would do the same. Dallas had one more shot, but came up just short. Final score, Pittsburgh 24, Dallas 19. Roethlisberger would throw 306 yards, three touchdowns. James Conner had 22 yards on nine carries. Smith-Schuster had 93 yards receiving and one touchdown. Garrett Gilbert threw for 243 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Tony Pollard had 57 yards on the ground. And C.D. Lamb had 71 yards receiving, one touchdown in the air. Saints versus Bucs, the showdown on Sunday night. The Saints and Buccaneers squared off on Sunday night. The Buccaneers were the heavy favorites to top the New Orleans Saints. However, all the media was wrong. The Saints dominated the Buccaneers, and the final score would be 38-3 New Orleans. The game got out of hand very quickly for Tampa Bay. The Saints would take a 31-0 lead at half. The Saints would continue to score. The only other possession they didn't score in the first half was because they fumbled, but their defense was able to force another Bucs punt. Drew Brees had a field day against the supposedly best defense in the league. The Saints, in the fourth quarter, would take a 38-0 lead and would only allow the Bucs to score a field goal in the closing seconds of the game. Antonio Brown for the Buccaneers only had three receptions for 31 yards in his debut for Tampa. Brady threw three interceptions while Taysom Hill had a few completions and led the team in rushing with 54 yards. Michael Thomas finally showed up for New Orleans with five receptions for 51 yards after missing most of the season with an ankle and hamstring injury. Brady was under constant duress and couldn't shake off New Orleans' punishing defense. The Saints were able to shut down Ronald Jones and only had nine rushing yards total. Final score, New Orleans 38, Tampa Bay 3. The Jets, well, they keep on being the Jets. And Monday night, they had a big lead on the Patriots, but somehow blew it. As you can probably already tell, the Patriots came back and squeaked squeaked by the New York Jets. Cam Newton uh, played average, but it was good enough to get the Patriots' third win this season and still have some hope they can make the playoffs under Belichick once again. The Jets dominated the first three quarters. The Jets were able to get 20 points in the first half and have a 10-point lead going into the break. Joe Flacco had a great game and threw three touchdown passes. In the third quarter, New York scored it again to make it a 27-17 lead in the fourth quarter. But here comes New England. They would score on a field goal thanks to Nick Folk, and Joe Flacco picked a perfect time to throw an interception that would lead the Patriots tying to touchdown the game. The Jets would go three and out and give the Arrival one more chance to win the game, and they did just that. New England drove down the field and got a last-second 51-yard field goal by kicker Nick Folk. Final score in New England, 30, New York, 27. Cam Newton was 27-35 for 274 yards. Devin Harris had 14 carries for 71 yards. And Jacoby Myers finished the game with 12 receptions for 169 yards. Flacco threw 262 yards, three touchdowns, and one INT. Frank Gore led the Jets in rushing with 46 yards, and Brashard Perriman had five receptions for 101 yards and one receiving touchdown. Well, that's a wrap for this amazing episode. Thanks for listening to the Sports Time Podcast, or the STP Pod for short. We release new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and much more. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, like, and comment.